chapter eleven of the widow married a sequel to the widow barnaby by francis milton trollope this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter eleven unexpected news making virtue from necessity a satisfactory correspondence preparation a morning visit dramatic effects a domestic-looking party consisting of a very lovely young woman and two children with another lady who might perhaps be their governess were seated upon one of the rare masses of stone which in default of better are at brighton called rocks when the occupation of each was suspended by the approach of a gentleman who had just descended a flight of steps leading down the cliff the lovely lady ceased to converse with the more homely one who sat beside her the youngest child suffered a whole frock-load of marine treasures to fall again amidst the shingles whence she had culled them while she darted forward to greet the intruder and the elder one who was too tall to be called a little girl and too slight and juvenile in appearance to be classed as a great one shut up the book she was reading and joyously exclaimed papa how very cool and comfortable you all look here said general hubert for he it was who drew near and how extremely skilful you have been in finding out the only coin of vantage that could produce sufficient shade to shelter you and it produces sufficient shade to shade you too montague said his wife making room for him between herself and her companion i am so glad you are come before the east india man is out of sight did you ever see a more stately creature how beautifully one half of her canvas catches the sunshine while the remainder is as dark as night from that little black canopy of a cloud that so mysteriously hovers over her this is certainly the most beautiful day for lights and shades that we have had yet oh my poor agnes said the general heaving a deep sigh but with so comic an expression of countenance as only to make his wife smile what means that tender sigh my dear said she looking at him with an evident expectation of hearing something that would amuse her but general hubert shook his head and replied in a voice at least half serious i am very much afraid dearest that i bring news which will vex you what do you mean hubert cried agnes a little impatiently it cannot be anything the matter about the boys or you would not look so half disposed to jest as you do probably not agnes no dearest i have heard nothing about the boys but and here he stopped turning his eyes at the same time upon the two little girls and then with a smile upon their governess this lady returning the smile rose instantly and stretching out a hand to either pupil said this is lazy work young ladies remember we have had no walk yet the children or at any rate the elder one looked a little inclined to linger and hear what papa was going to say but the habit of obedience seemed too strong to be broken and after one short questioning look that received no encouragement she accepted the offered hand and the trio set off together leaving mrs hubert waiting for the disclosure which her husband was evidently come on purpose to make with a curiosity that seemed to increase in exact proportion to its delay i do not like sending that dear excellent miss wilmot off so cavalierly said the general watching the retreating party nevertheless i am much obliged to her for understanding my look so readily for i should scarcely like to trust to your philosophy agnes the reception of the news i bring while elizabeth was here but nobody is here now my dear general she replied and i implore you to tell me instantly what this terrible news is the general put his hand into his waist-pocket and drew forth from it two visiting-cards and a three-cornered note agnes stretched forth her hand received them and read aloud mrs a o'donagough miss o'donagough eastcliff and again on the other card mr a o'donagough eastcliff montague are you jesting with me 
were the first words uttered by agnes after reading these most unexpected names no truly i am not agnes he replied i took these cards and the note you hold in your hand which was left with them from the hall table as i entered the house ten minutes ago and guessing whereabouts i should find you set off again instantly to impart the news they convey but do not look so really and truly frightened agnes aunt barnaby is aunt barnaby no longer agnes shook her head ah hubert you know better than that arose by any other name my dear dear husband how will you be able to bear it you shall see agnes things are most delightfully changed with me dear love since the days you seem to remember so distinctly when the barnaby i will not deny it had power very considerably to shake my nerves but pray read your note i am a little curious i own to see how she introduces herself mrs hubert opened the note and read aloud as follows you will easily believe my beloved agnes that amidst all the delightful feelings produced by returning to my native country the hope of once more pressing you to my heart predominates gracious heaven what a moment it will be for me when i present to you my darling child and when i receive yours in my arms when may this be my dearest niece of course neither mr o'donagough or myself or our sweet girl have any engagements that would interfere for a moment with our ardent wish of seeing you and yours i shall wait with the greatest impatience till i hear from you and trust that you will fix no very distant hour my beloved agnes for our meeting mr o'donagough charges me to present his respectful compliments to general hubert and martha whose young eyes beam with affection whenever your names are mentioned murmurs gently in my ear send my kind love mamma to all my dear young cousins for some few lingering hours then adieu my dear sister's own daughter and believe me ever your devotedly attached aunt martha compton o'donagough having finished this epistle mrs hubert put it into the hands of her husband as if it were impossible that he could have fully received all its terrible meaning from her delivery of it as she did this the expression of her fair face was so deplorably tragical and so humbly deprecative that the general though somewhat chagrined himself at this unexpected announcement could not retain his gravity but laughed aloud and you make a jest of it montague she exclaimed is that laugh genuine or is it only feigned to prevent my perceiving how deeply annoyed you are not feigned upon my word and honour agnes nor do i believe that aunt betsy herself though generally grave enough upon the subject of mrs barnaby could refrain from joining me were she here to see your piteous countenance how can you be so foolish my dear wife how can the elder lady or her young daughter or her very reverend husband possess any real power over our happiness now send her word dear that you will call upon her at two o'clock to-morrow i will not let you go to-day for you look fit for nothing but a gallop over the downs come along agnes i'll have the horses out directly the gloom which had rested on her beautiful countenance was chased by a smile as bright and sudden in its influence as the sunbeams whose effects she had just been studying oh my dear husband how i do love you said she gaily taking his arm and moving towards the stairs in the cliff with a step that seemed in unison with the recovered lightness of her heart i hope you do not think my dismay at receiving this unexpected news arises from my own personal distaste to aunt barnaby's society i do assure you that were it not for the dread i feel lest you should be annoyed by her somewhat in the same style as i have witnessed formerly i should not feel the slightest displeasure at it perhaps even i might be almost able to persuade myself that i should like to see her her little girl i really do wish very much to see 
she must be within a few months of the same age as elizabeth and notwithstanding all my greatness hubert as your honoured wife i have no inclination to forget how nearly they are related no more have i sweet agnes and it was precisely for that reason i gave the look to miss wilmot which made her lead away the children i suspected that you would betray a little more wonder and a little less joy on first receiving the intelligence than might be easily forgotten this would have been unfair i should not particularly wish elizabeth to make mrs a o'donagough her model but i see no reason why a little girl of her own age who must have been brought up simply at least and without any great pretension in the remote shades of new south wales should not obtain such a share of her love and good graces as her near relationship gives her a right to expect so torment yourself no more agnes about my miseries on the subject i could feel well inclined to laugh at the vehemence of my own feelings in days of yore on the subject of this poor lady and do not i assure you anticipate the least danger of a relapse i often think montague she replied that you have some mystical mode of reading my heart it so perpetually happens that you do and say exactly the things i most wish even when circumstances would lead me to expect something different but shall i confess that i now feel perfectly ashamed of myself from the excess of vexation this three-cornered epistle caused me solely i believe from its expressions of familiar affection i was foolish enough to think hubert that you would not like your daughter to be claimed as a relative by this obscure young cousin why considering agnes how many superlatively fine relations you have done my daughter the honour of giving her nesbits and stephensons without end i really think it would be unreasonable to complain of her being claimed as kindred by one humble lassie who has neither learned her steps from a french opera dancer nor her singing from an italian opera singer i am by no means certain that our simple elizabeth may not like her best this conversation brought them to their own door on reaching which a servant was dispatched to the stables to order their horses and while they were waited for mrs hubert after a little further consultation with her husband wrote the following note my dear aunt accept my best congratulations upon your return to england after an absence of so many years and let me fix two o'clock to-morrow for repeating these congratulations in person i feel quite anxious to see my young cousin who must be if i mistake not about the same age as my eldest girl i hope they will be good friends and playfellows general hubert begs to join his request to mine that mr o'donagough yourself and martha would give us the pleasure of your company at dinner on thursday at six o'clock believe me my dear aunt your affectionate niece agnes hubert this note approved and dispatched mrs hubert with a lightened spirit mounted her beautiful mare and galloped for a couple of hours over the sussex downs with as much enjoyment as if aunt barnaby had not been in existence her note reached its destination safely and was received by the whole of the o'donagough family in council mr o'donagough though not exactly confessing that he remained at home on purpose contrived to be in the drawing-room when the servant of the house entered with it and martha who from the reiterated harangues of her mamma on the subject had conceived a very distinct idea that most of her pleasures and all her consequence depended on the manner in which the huberts received them no sooner saw a smart footman bearing a note in his hand ring at the bell then springing back from the station she constantly occupied at the window she exclaimed here it comes mamma such a footman all over silver lace i'll bet a dollar it is to ask us to come and drink tea with them be quiet martha don't scream so loud said mr o'donagough oh how my poor heart beats cried his wife forcibly compressing that part of her person wherein it was lodged dearest agnes 
she would have added but a feeling of doubt and caution checked her and compressing her lips and assuming an air of dignified composure she suddenly resolved to express no further affection for mrs general hubert till it was ascertained how she was likely to be welcomed in return the lively martha gave a prodigious jump the instant the drawing-room door opened and clutched the important note from the maid-servant's hand now who'll know the news first i wonder she cried triumphantly holding her prize above her head how dare you behave so martha said mrs o'donagough hastily rising and approaching her daughter in a manner that made it evident there would be a battle for the note if the young lady yielded it not unresistingly but the matter was immediately decided by the authoritative voice of mr o'donagough himself who with more anxiety than he intended should appear sat picking his teeth and pretending to read a newspaper no nonsense if you please miss patty give your mother the note instantly and instantly the note trembled beneath the agitated fingers of mrs o'donagough best congratulation anxious to see young cousin good friends general hubert dinner on thursday oh my dear agnes my darling darling niece she exclaimed falling back in her chair in a very violent emotion how i dote upon her was there ever anything so sweet o'donagough this demand was addressed to her husband in consequence of his having caught the note as it fell from her hands as she clasped them in ecstasy after the hasty perusal of it what a fool i have been she continued with something between a sob and a laugh to let all your nonsensical doubts bother me as they have done nobody of course but myself can possibly know what agnes and i have been to each other let me have the note again donny dear darling creature how touching how sweet her language is i am sure you will dote upon her o'donagough and remember my dear that all she is she owes to me i formed her mind and manners and i think when you know her better you will confess that she does me no discredit dear me papa cried the young lady how you do spell it and spell it isn't it my turn now mamma she's my cousin papa more than she is yours you know the lady is my niece patty and not my cousin replied her father passing his hand across the lower part of his face to conceal a smile arising probably from a greater variety of incongruous and amusing recollections than either of his companions could understand the note he added is a very agreeable note as far as it goes and i presume you have no engagement mrs o'donagough that will prevent our having the pleasure of dining with general hubert on thursday next i rather think not she answered in the same tone of comic gravity nor do i intend to be from home at two o'clock to-morrow mayn't i see the note mamma cried patty almost whimpering i do think it is the hardest thing that ever was you two keeping it all to yourselves and making your jokes about it and i standing by as if i was a baby all the time give her the note dear donny said mrs o'donagough i don't wonder that she is longing for it there miss read that and rejoice though you can't know yet one half a quarter of the difference it may make to you miss o'donagough received the precious paper from her father and depositing herself with a good deal of vehemence in the corner of a sofa for her temper had been chafed by the delay began to study it though not testifying equal ecstasy to her mother she perused the first few lines with a well-satisfied air and when she came to the phrase i feel quite anxious to see my young cousin she looked up with a smile and gave a sidelong nod with her head that seemed to say i count for something in the business at any rate 
but when again throwing her eyes upon the note she read the words i hope they will be good friends and playfellows her colour arose to crimson and mounted to her very eyes for a moment she swelled in silence and then recovering breath exclaimed your cousin or niece or whatever she is may be as great and as grand as she will but she is a born fool and i know i shall hate her hoity-toity miss patty pray what is the matter now inquired her mother with very sincere astonishment matter indeed i wonder ma'am that you can bear to have me treated in such a way what does she mean by saying that her girl and me may be playfellows a precious girl she must be too if she is as old as me for her mother to talk in that way as if she was an idiot or a baby it is no good for you to fluster yourself in that way patty about nothing at all replied mrs o'donagough there are very few english girls you must remember as tall and womanly as you at fourteen and another thing is i can tell you that it is not every mother that chooses to bring her daughter forward as i do most ladies indeed keep their girls back as much as possible what the old ladies are jealous of em i suppose replied patty with an expressive toss of the head nasty unnatural old beasts i tell you i know i shall hate this good-for-nothing old woman who tries to make believe that her daughter is a baby to make herself seem young it's downright horrid isn't it papa i tell you what patty replied her father laughing if all girls were like you the mothers would find it pretty hard work to keep em back i fancy however you had better not put yourself in a passion about nothing perhaps your grandy cousin is not so old as you are and her mother may have forgot all about your age i dare say elizabeth hubert is exactly five months younger than patty observed mrs o'donagough but it is like enough she may be but a peaking little girl agnes was but a poor thread of a thing when she married i don't care the spit of a straw what she is returned her daughter old or young little or big it's all one to me only i wouldn't advise em to set me to be her playfellow as she calls it i'll teach her queer plays if she does i can tell her this little puff of disagreeable excitement blown away a process greatly facilitated by mrs o'donagough's judiciously alluding to the dresses it would be necessary to prepare for thursday nothing could be more agreeable than the strain of prophecy into which the conversation fell all the sanguine hopes and expectations of the parents respecting the numerous advantages they contemplated from an intercourse so auspiciously begun were freely expressed before their child who fully proved by several intelligent remarks that she was as competent to understand the subject as either of them one observation alone was muttered with conjugal mystery by mrs o'donagough into the ear of her husband and it ran thus do you feel any misgivings donny about the sharp eyes of agnes to which he most satisfactorily replied by snapping his fingers with such vivacity as to produce a sound clear as a castanet while at the same time he returned the mutter by pronouncing the single word stuff though the toilette of the following morning did not as mrs o'donagough observed signify a cent in comparison of that to be worn at the dinner-party still it was not altogether neglected at about twenty minutes before two they all three met in the drawing-room with eyes that seemed to challenge the examination and judgment of each other the first expression of applause was elicited by the smooth precision of mr o'donagough's new wig the full value of which his wife seemed to feel at that moment for the first time it's quite perfect donny said she i never saw anything equal to it in all my life why your own mother i mean that you look very nice and respectable indeed and i like and approve it very much mr o'donagough 
which name with the emphasis she gave it as fully explained to her husband all that was passing in her mind as if she had discoursed upon it for an hour he gave her a nod to show that she was understood and then a second nod to himself as he looked in the glass and felt conscious how perfectly well he deserved her approbation both expressed and implied the appearance of patty was the next object of attention and on this subject mr o'donagough was eloquent cordially returning the admiration he had received i hope you are contented with the looks of your girl mrs o d said he there is no denying ladies that you know how to spend your money what is this beautiful-looking stuff that her gown is made of is it satin no my dear replied his wife it certainly is not satin twenty pounds between us though a very pretty present would not give us morning gowns made of satin but it is a very beautiful manufacture donny which i like exceedingly it takes the colour so bright it is nothing in the world but cotton with just a few threads of silk you see run up and down to catch the eye but if it was the richest satin ever made the colour could not be more beautifully brilliant darling she looks like a full-blown jonquil doesn't she my dear she looks like an uncommon fine girl replied mr o'donagough her eyes are like stars i never saw them look so bright before and her fine long dark curls are as handsome as your own used to be my dear when i first met you at blank the first time i saw you i mean you are quite right my love excepting that her hair curls naturally it is exactly like mine and i must say she does look very handsome to-day egad resumed the father i don't know what you have done to her her complexion looks so beautiful to be sure you have not and here he imitated with his hand applied to his face the delicate action employed to rouge a lady's cheek you must not do that my dear it is all very well and very becoming at about twice her age but she don't want it yet mrs o'donagough said nothing in reply but employed herself in settling the collar of her own embroidery that finished the dress of her daughter while patty turned aside her head and laughed but you say nothing about me my dear said the mother after having completed the pinchings and smoothings of patty's dress tell me how you like my cap and my gown and my fichu and my cuffs and my bag in short tell me honestly donny what do you think of me all over lor mamma what an odd question cried her lively daughter laughing and turning round to assist in the scrutiny i'll defy him to say that you ain't very nicely dressed though perhaps as to all over he may say that you look monstrous big i'll tell you what miss patty you will be half as big again before you are as old as me take my word for it replied mrs o'donagough a little chafed at the remark however she added with more complacency i am not so big as the duchess that we met this morning on the pier and i see so many large women here all in their own carriages that i am perfectly contented to be fat i am quite sure it is the fashion i am quite sure of it too my dear replied her husband besides he gallantly added when ladies are as of fine height and as nobly built as you are they can carry off a great deal of fat without being at all the worse for it at this moment the bell of the house-door was heard to ring mrs o'donagough put her hand to her heart oh good gracious here they are come and stand by me patty that i may present you to her directly i hope she has not got her husband with her donny i dread the sight of that man hold your tongue don't be such a fool they are on the stairs he was right they were on the stairs they were at the door 
and the next moment they were in the room neither mr nor mrs o'donagough would have known agnes had they met her by chance her appearance was indeed most strikingly changed yet though in a different style she was perhaps more lovely than they had ever before seen her she had gained at least an inch in height after her marriage and the slight girl was now filled out and rounded into the perfect symmetry of womanhood what a delicate creature was the exclamation she had often drawn forth as agnes willoughby and what an elegant creature was the phrase which invariably followed her now the exquisite features too though still the same in outline were changed and even improved as to their general contour and the expressive eyes which formerly seemed to covet the shelter of their own fringed lids and to speak as it were but in whispers of the treasure of intellect within now appearing to gather courage from looking on the husband who was rarely long together absent from her showed in every glance a sort of ingenuous confidence of mind by which a physiognomist might read the purity simplicity and strength of her character in her hand she led a slight young thing as thin as a greyhound who though tall for thirteen and a half nevertheless looked perhaps younger than she was her silken brown hair hung low in clusters of thick curls round her neck and her peculiarly simple white dress with its plain pelerine and the seaworthy leghorn bonnet tied closely with a ribbon of its own colour under her chin gave her decidedly the air of a child behind them followed general hubert who showed that a fine person a noble expression of countenance a military carriage and graceful address may altogether constitute a very handsome man even though the lofty forehead be bald and the thin curls that are left sprinkled with silver notwithstanding the entire absence of every species of affectation or pretension which so remarkably distinguished the manners of mrs hubert there was something in her general air and appearance which effectually checked all approaches to familiarity in those who were not privileged to use it and to say the truth it would have been difficult to find any gentleman and lady whose appearance would have placed mr allen o'donagough less at his ease than those who now entered his apartment he bowed low as he stood behind his wife but with a movement that caused him to retreat rather than advance patty however fearlessly opened her large eyes upon the strangers and having no european scale of classification in her head felt little daunted by encountering an aspect and demeanour altogether new to her so entirely indeed did she possess her soul as they walked up the room as mentally to ejaculate well if that lanky thing is my fine cousin i shan't mind her a bit she won't put my nose out anyhow what a bonnet my but it was not to speculations such as occupied the minds of either her husband or her child that mrs o'donagough gave way it was as she would have expressed it the heart that spoke and not the judgment when she rushed forward and opening her expansive arms enclosed within them the graceful yet embarrassed mrs hubert so long indeed did she hold her there that the bystanders felt embarrassed too not well knowing what to do with their eyes or how to perform their own parts in a scene of such deep interest at length however the elder lady released the younger one from her strict embrace and then retiring a step stood gazing at her with clasped hands and head advanced as nearly as possible like a devotee offering adoration before a favourite shrine is it possible exclaimed mrs o'donagough do i indeed behold my sister's child a very well-looking pocket-handkerchief with its laced corner protruding as if instinct with sympathy from her bag was here drawn forth and did its duty well oh my dearest agnes i can hardly believe my eyes so lovely still and yet so greatly altered oh how my heart has longed for this dear moment 
but i must not be thus selfish thus absorbed mr o'donagough let me present you to my dear niece general hubert forgive me if at first i could see nothing but your charming wife i hope i see you well permit me to present my husband to you mr o'donagough general hubert general hubert mr o'donagough and this is your child agnes dear creature how excessively like the general and then whether tempted by the resemblance or by the fond feelings of a great-aunt she very nearly caught the young lady from the ground and pressed her so closely to her bosom as to produce an involuntary oh from the lips of the nearly spoilt child this over mrs o'donagough next turned to her own daughter though the last not the least important of her evolutions and taking her red young hand placed it in the delicately gloved palm of mrs hubert that lady as in duty bound kissed her cousin but her long ringlets and her fine colour her large bright eyes and her magnificent gown altogether brought aunt betsy and all her peculiar notions to her mind so forcibly that she almost trembled as she remembered that this most dear relation was expected to pay them a visit at brighton almost immediately but mercy on me how i let you stand cried mrs o'donagough perfectly satisfied that the earnest look given both by the general and his lady to her daughter proceeded from admiring astonishment let us sit down dearest agnes and marshalling her and her daughter who still held tightly by her hand to the sofa placed herself on a chair before it while the general bowed into an arm-chair beside it by mr o'donagough found himself under the necessity of making conversation that might suit the habits and prejudices of his host concerning whose strict conformity to the methodist persuasion he felt not the least doubt you have been long absent from this country sir said the general a slight twitching might have been perceptible about the mouth of mr allen o'donagough as he listened to this question but he instantly recovered himself and replied it has indeed been a long absence general hubert without either snuffing lisping or in any other obvious and ordinary manner altering his voice there was something in mr allen o'donagough's manner of saying these few words that made his wife notwithstanding her earnest attention to what her darling agnes was saying look up at him with surprise but she was a quick-witted intelligent woman and half a moment's consideration enabled her to recollect why it was he spoke now as she had never heard him speak before it was less than half a smile that passed over her face as cause and effect thus became perceptible to her but this half-smile spoke a whole world of conjugal admiration mrs o'donagough now obtained sufficient mastery over the first burst of her emotions to look at the daughter of agnes with some attention from her youth upwards she had studied beauty both male and female too sedulously not to perceive under the close straw bonnet a promise at least of good regular features and something more than a promise of remarkably fine eyes nevertheless on the whole the examination awakened no maternal jealousy she could not for a moment entertain a doubt as to which was the handsomest her daughter or her great-niece there sat her charming patty all glow all brightness in the very perfection of that undeniable beauté de diable which rarely indeed fails to illuminate the features of a womanly girl of fourteen while beside her sat elizabeth hubert pale and by no means particularly fair and with a countenance unawakened to all the thousand little conscious agaceries which are sure to play and sparkle about such eyes and lips as those of martha o'donagough moreover she looked such a mere child that any comparison between them seemed quite preposterous what a poor little weasel of a girl thought the well-pleased mrs o'donagough as she looked at her 
and her mother reckons such a prodigious beauty too well to be sure it is impossible not to feel something like triumph at the difference such were her thoughts but all she uttered of them was is this dear child your eldest girl my dearest agnes yes replied mrs hubert she is my eldest girl but we have two boys older oh yes i remember and this dear creature then is your elizabeth for whom you told me general hubert's aunt lady elizabeth norris and your own great-aunt mrs elizabeth compton stood godmothers yes this is elizabeth is she in good health my dearest agnes perfectly so she is so very pale and thin isn't she nothing can be thinner certainly but we do not reckon her particularly pale none of our children are fresh-coloured but they have all excellent health then my dear love you must be contented with that which after all is the first of blessings and of infinitely more real importance than all the beauty in the world but to be sure she is the youngest-looking creature of her age that i ever saw who would believe agnes that there was not more than five months difference in age between your girl and mine no one certainly replied mrs hubert with a smile is it possible said general hubert who found it rather difficult to keep up a conversation with his sanctified-looking host is it possible that miss o'donagough is not more than five months older than elizabeth that is all general i assure you replied mrs o'donagough but the air of sydney you know is counted the finest in the world and i think that it is likely to have a great deal to do with the improvement of children but your dear girl is not very short neither only she looks so little and childish like compared to patty however that is a fault that will mend every day won't it dear elizabeth on being thus addressed smiled though without speaking and the beauty of that sweet smile perfectly startled the critical mrs o'donagough dear me she exclaimed with very blunt sincerity how pretty she is when she smiles oh dear that is so like poor sophy is she indeed like my mother aunt said mrs hubert with some emotion this smile is exactly like her replied mrs o'donagough and your mother was very slight too but nothing like so little as elizabeth at her age we never reckoned elizabeth so very little said the general laughing but rather the contrary do let the young ladies stand up together i know that is a very regular and orthodox ceremony which always ought to be performed when cousins meet for the first time and moreover i doubt if the english lass be not the taller of the two stand up martha said mr allen o'donagough with much solemnity the young lady obeyed but there was a little toss of the head and a little curl of the lip that spoke involuntarily perhaps the scorn which the idea of any sort of measurement between herself and her cousin created come elizabeth cried the general elizabeth stood up and yielded herself smiling and blushing to the hands of her father who having himself untied her bonnet and laid it aside placed her back to back with her cousin mrs o'donagough looked at her again as she thus stood with her head uncovered and something very nearly approaching to a frown contracted her brow she said not a word more about her departed sister or the beauty of her smiles but after a disagreeable sort of struggle with her own judgment she inwardly ejaculated if that girl was my daughter i should make something of her the military eye of general hubert had not deceived him there was but little difference in the height of the young ladies but that little was decidedly in favour of miss hubert you see i am right ladies said he i have been used to measuring recruits by my eye 
am i shortest mamma said patty in a tone that expressed both vexation and incredulity why yes you are my dear replied her mother i am sure i don't know how it can be you look so very much bigger and older oh what a maypole i must be said the still blushing elizabeth replacing her bonnet and thereby eclipsing one of certainly the least ordinary faces that ever was looked upon the rounded contour of the oval indeed that might be hoped for hereafter was not yet there and excepting when excited the delicate cheek was pale but the forehead eyes nose and beyond all else the finely cut full lips with that rare grecian wavy line which gives a power of expression possessed by few were all pre-eminently handsome and had it not been for the conviction that her niece agnes never did nor never would know how to make the most of beauty the last state of mrs o'donagough's mind respecting the parallel inevitably drawn between their two daughters would have been considerably worse than the first as it was however when elizabeth again sat down with her closed bonnet and her quiet look of perfect childishness while martha after a momentary arrangement of her curls before the glass turned round upon her with a throat as white as ivory cheeks like a cabbage rose and eyes that darted liquid beams of youthful sauciness with all the airs and graces of conscious beauty it was utterly impossible she should feel otherwise than well contented with her the visit lasted about twenty minutes longer which to say the truth seemed quite long enough to all parties yet when mrs hubert rose to take leave her fond aunt was almost clamorous that she should stay a little longer oh dearest agnes must i lose you already think what a time it is since last we met it is such a treat to see you etc etc we shall have the pleasure of seeing you to-morrow aunt replied agnes kindly and of course my cousin will come with you unless indeed she would like to come earlier she added recollecting herself and share elizabeth's two o'clock dinner perhaps this would be the best way as it would enable them to take a walk by the sea together afterwards the operations of thought are proverbially rapid with us all but mrs o'donagough was a particularly quick person and even before her niece had ceased to speak the pros and cons for this nursery sort of invitation to martha had passed through her mind but notwithstanding all this quickness it was really not a very easy matter to decide she was perfectly aware that it would make her daughter what the young lady herself called as mad as fire but on the other hand it would probably lead to much greater intimacy against it was the obvious fact that the beautiful dress projected and already prepared for the occasion could not possibly be worn but then all the people in brighton would have an opportunity of seeing the young people together on the beach exactly as if they were one family in this dilemma mrs o'donagough wisely took the course which could most easily admit of retreat and with a countenance beaming with affection and pleasure replied there is nothing in the world she would like so well my dear agnes at what time shall she be with you a little before two if you please and then the final adieus were exchanged and the visitors departed End of chapter eleven